0: Said and Jamal said, we're in a brand new series. We just finished our uh, series in Daniel, Scriptural Spiritual Awakening. We're taking that theme of awakening and we're walking through the rest of the year with it, and we're jumping into the Sermon on the Mount. So we went through six chapters in Daniel, basically half the book of Daniel, in about a month and a half, two months. We'll take three chapters, the Sermon on the Mount, and go until summer. So it's going to be a long one. But It'll be, it's gonna be really good. Like they said, uh, this is all about what I want God to do in us through this series, what God wants to do in us, I should say, and, and what, what he's, he's led us to in developing this series is he's trying to build character in us. He's trying to, to, to make us into who we are and to actually help us realize that we are these people. So um, this, today, as we start this series, I'm not gonna, we read the Beatitudes, I'm not going to dive fully deep into the Beatitudes, We're gonna just, I'm going to give you an overview of all 12, I'm going to give you an overview of the Sermon on the Mount, its, its significance, why it's there, um, in its placement, in the text, all these things. And then we'll talk about the Beatitudes as a whole. And we won't, the, the point of this series isn't to dive deep into each Beatitude, that could take us eight, nine, nine weeks. We're going to just do them as a whole this morning, alright? So. Has anyone heard of Golden Corral? Who's not from America? <laughs> yeah, so in in the states there's this restaurant called Golden Corral. And it's a big buffet, right? It's what you th- when you think of America this is what you think of. It's like it's, it's this big buffet. You can eat whatever you want. Everyone's like eating everything. There's fried chicken, fried shrimp, fried this, fried, fr- you know, all these things. And everyone goes there and you eat all these things, you feel your face, you feel your stomach, and then you feel pretty bad afterwards. And you're like, why did I eat all that? Like, why, why did I do that? Why did I just do that to myself? I just shaved like three years off my life in one meal, because uh, it's all bad food. Like, it's all like processed stuff, right? And it's, it's all stuff that's made in bulk. And, and there's, this, there's this part of you where you're like, oh man, I can eat anything I want. And then you get like one plate too many, which is probably just one plate. <laughs> and then you feel horrible. Um, there's a place here in Toronto called The Mandarin that's similar. Anyone been to The Mandarin? Yeah, yeah, don't go there. I like get sorry if, if you have investment in the Mandarin, uh, but every time, so Golden Corral and the Mandarin, Missy and I vowed never to, to return to. We, put, we went to the Mandarin when we first came here and we said never again, because we always feel bad afterwards. <laughs> Golden Corral, same thing. We vowed I will never go to that place again because we always feel bad afterwards. It's funny, before we moved here, Golden Corral was doing this commercial campaign for hand rub steaks, and, and Missy, we saw the commotion, she was like, I don't want anything hand rubbed from going to Corral. <laughs> that place is nasty. Um, and actually, I think the last time we went to the Mandarin was with uh, Daniel, a friend of ours. Uh, some of you guys know Daniel Yang. He had been on this fast. He'd been on like this extended fast, and he broke his fast by going to the Mandarin, Like his stomach is probably shriveled up because <laughs> he's been on this fast, and then he goes to Mandarin, and he like throws it all up afterwards. Um, so we, yeah, we're like, we're, uh, we don't want to go back there. As I told you last week, our family got permanent residency in Canada, so we are now officially, as of Friday, we officially landed as permanent residents in Canada. So we're, yeah, yeah, like... <laughs> Yeah, it's really awesome. It's a huge burden off of our church. It's a huge burden off of us. Um, and now we don't have to go back to America. So, <laughs> like that's... <laughs> no, no, we, we love America. Um, but we would have to go back occasionally in order to come back. Anyway, so we landed on Friday, so we celebrated. Our family, we celebrated by going out to eat. We didn't go to the Mandarin. Uh, <clears throat> we went to this place called Globe Bistro, And it's this, it's this kind of fine dining, farm-to-table restaurant. So it's it's really pure, I guess. Um, And and so so we went there, and we had a. We're so cheap. It's fine dining, but we had like a voucher for it. (laughs) And I feel like part of me feels like cheap when we walk in. They're like, "Hey, we're here because we got a voucher." But then part of me is like, we wouldn't eat here if we didn't have a voucher, so we're gonna enjoy it. So we go in there, and, and it's, you know, it was, it was six or seven courses, like small plates, and it was, the food was so, it was so good. It was amazing. And the girls, they have a kid's menu for the, for, the, for the girls, and the kids had like mac and cheese and chicken strips. And even the chicken strips were good, though. They were like, it was like the best chicken I've ever had. Um, but it's like, they ate, they were like regular dining and we were like fine dining. And they tried what we had and stuff. Well, the next day, Emerson looks at me and, and um, or she wakes up and she's like, hey, daddy, um, when I grow up, I wanna go back to the Globe Bistro. I wanna go to that restaurant when I grow up and eat what you guys ate and dress nice like you and mommy dressed. And, and I thought, you can do that now. But she knew, she wasn't ready for that. She knew, like, right now, she's satisfied with macaroni and cheese. She's satisfied with chicken strips. Like what we had, the duck, the duck uh, what's that stuff called? A tartar, duck tartar with, like, we ate moss, guys. Like, they had, like, this moss from the Yukon or something. and. Like, it was all fancy. Like, she knows, like, sh- her palate just isn't ready for that. She's not mature enough for that. She's, she's not, in her words, she's not grown up enough. And for us, with sin, that's how sin is a lot of times. We, we're just satisfied in something that is just maybe good enough. We're, we're not Mature enough to take something more sophisticated or we don't think we are and for Emerson she didn't think she can handle it So she's like oh, I'm fine with my macaroni and cheese here, and we're so just satisfied with what the world has to offer Now we just eat the macaroni and cheese We just engorge ourselves at Golden Corral and at the Mandarin and, and C.S. Lewis puts it like this He says we're, we're like kids who are satisfied with playing with mud pies in the slums when what's offered to us is a holiday at sea. And we don't even know. It's on the table for us, and we don't even know about it. We don't even, we don't even say, yeah, we want that. We're just sad. We're like, we're fine. We're playing with our mud pies here. And, and when Jesus comes on the scene here, what he's doing for us is he's offering us a new reality. He's offering us fine dining. He's offering us something we were actually created for. He's saying, stop eating that processed stuff. That's not what you're created for. Stop engorging yourself on all that. You are created for something much better than this. And so throughout this entire series, each Sunday is going to be themed. So this Sunday, we're going to talk about you are blessed. And then we'll talk about as we go through it, like you are loved, you are forgiven, you are... Etc. Uh, Etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, and this morning, Jesus is saying to us, "You are blessed." And when he starts uh, when he starts his ministry in the Sermon on the Mount, everything uh, starts to transform. He takes the kingdom and he introduces it to us, and he's literally he's turning the paradigm of the world upside down. And so, so the kingdom is the upside down, not in like. The demigorgon way but not like the awesome Jesus way that's a stranger things reference for you guys out there who are cool um, for those of you guys who didn't get it sorry you you missed it Stranger. <laughs> so uh, like this is this is it's it's a totally different world Jesus is introducing here so this is the bottom line for today if you live in the reality of blessing you will you will leave the wreckage of sin if you live in the reality of blessing, that's our reality in Christ Jesus, you will leave the wreckage of sin. And, and so many of us are so satisfied in just eating Golden Corral, eating the mandarin, feeling horrible afterwards and living in that wreckage when what's offered to us is the reality of blessing. It's something pure, it's something holy. And, and Jesus is inviting us into that this morning. So missy read the sermon or she read the beatitudes to you this morning the beatitudes are basically they're they're just blessings that's what that word means it's it's spoken blessings over us and and it says here in verse one seeing the crowds jesus went up on the mountain and when he sat down his disciples came to him but so much has happened before this like who if, if we just read that well, who is jesus who are his disciples why are people listening to him and, and so let's, let's go back to Matthew 1, and I want to walk you up to Matthew chapter 5. Because like I said, Jesus is doing something really significant here. And, and uh, so let's start in chapter 1. Chapter 1 starts with the genealogy. It's a list of names of how we got to Jesus. And most people, when they read the Bible... They just skip over Matthew chapter one because they're like, I can't pronounce, I can't pronounce all these names. I can't pronounce Amminadab. I can't pronounce like, Jehoshaphat. Like, why is this even important? Well, what God is doing here is He's showing us that there has been a line of people that have led to Jesus. There's been faithful people that have led to Jesus. There have been people who aren't so good, and God has, God has redeemed it in His plan, and His purpose, and His providence, and that's, that's led to Jesus. And in, in here we see, uh, what's, what's really significant about the genealogy is that there's four women uh, mentioned in the genealogy, which in those days, and even, I say, I say in those days, even today, you don't see that happening. Now, especially when you're talking about royalty, right? Jesus is, is, is the Messiah, he's royalty, he's the king of kings. We, there, there aren't many monarchs that trace royalty from, uh, with, with the women in it. And, and when they do, it's like an, an afterthought. And yeah, anyways, I can go on and on about that. But here we have four women and one or two of them aren't Jewish. They're, they're, they're Gentiles. One of them was an adulteress, uh, and God redeemed that story. And then one is Mary, who was accused of, like, she had a virgin birth. She was accused of infidelity and, and all these things. And so we see God in his providence redeeming things to bring Jesus. And then we get to chapter two, and we see Christ's birth, Jesus is born, we see the fulfillment of prophecy, and again, God's providence, God's God's plan, God's hand is in action here. And and then we skip a whole bunch of years in Jesus' life, and we come to where he's around 30 years old, in Matthew chapter three, and John the Baptist is on the scene, and John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin, and John the Baptist is preaching a message, and he's baptizing people. And the message he's preaching is this: it's repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And people are like, Yeah, I want to repent. And and they and and he baptizes them. And Jesus shows up and he says, Give me some of that. (laughs) I want to be baptized too. And John says, Whoa, I'm not supposed to baptize you, you're supposed to baptize me. And Jesus says, No, this is this is what's supposed to happen. And so, so John the Baptist baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River, and when he does, when Jesus comes out, the scriptures say immediately a few things happen. He comes out of the waters, the heavens are open, we, he sees the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Just a note on that, sometimes we think it was a dove, but the Bible doesn't actually say that. it says just descending like a dove on him. We don't actually know what, it look, what the Spirit of God looked like. So, the Spirit of God descends on him, rests on him, and behold, a voice from heaven says this. This is my son, my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. And you notice there, Jesus hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't healed anybody, he hasn't done any miracles. Actually, he's just let someone baptize them. Jesus hasn't baptized anybody. Jesus hasn't, we don't see Jesus teaching anybody yet. We don't see him preaching to anybody, but we do see God's approval in that moment before he does anything. Okay, we're gonna come back to that. And then Jesus goes into the wilderness in Matthew chapter four and he's tempted and, and he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He's probably looking forward to the Mandarin at the end of those 40 days and 40 nights. And he's, he's tempted by, by Satan. Satan comes in and tempts him with certain things and Jesus chooses to, uh, to follow God in, in this time. And then it's not until after all that that Jesus now begins his ministry. And he begins by going around and preaching the same one sentence that John the Baptist was preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I don't know about you guys, but normally when I hear people say the word repent, it rubs me the wrong way. Like, it sounds harsh. And, And I hate how we take our our intonation of it, our how we view, and we put that onto Jesus. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know, but I don't picture Jesus saying it. Repent, you need to repent, the kingdom of heaven is coming and it's going to get you. I don't see Jesus saying that. I see Jesus saying, guys, all of creation, all of history has been waiting for this exact moment. Now is the time to turn from your sin." Now is the time to turn from your sin into the kingdom. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. He's like, I'm, I'm here. I'm finally here. I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to save you. I've, lo- I've, I've been pursuing you in love and, and now I'm finally here. And we, sometimes we read them, and we think, oh, Jesus is really harsh. And I don't think so. Because, that, because people are gathering around this message. And he's saying, yeah, you guys, like, I I was sent here to rescue you. Now come on. And then he calls disciples and he says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Peter, Andrew, James, and John here. And then Jesus starts healing people. He starts uh, just showing evidence of the kingdom, that the kingdom has arrived and people bring paralytics to him. They bring epileptics. They bring people oppressed by demons. They bring all the sick it says. All this is listed in here. And he ministers to these crowds. And then the Sermon on the Mount happens. And Jesus sits down and the crowds gather to hear him speak. And he starts out with these blessings, with the Beatitudes. And three things about the Beatitudes that I want you guys to see this morning. Uh, number one is cohesion. The Sermon on the Mount is a sermon. So Matthew 5, 6, and 7, they it goes together. A lot of times we, we take a piece out of Matthew 6 and we try to live by that, but you can't, it's, you can't live by that without Matthew 5. And then it flows into Matthew 7. And so every Sunday when we talk about this. I'm gonna paint the, uh, the, the picture of the forest so we don't get lost in the trees. Same thing with the Beatitudes, it's a, it's a whole. Sometimes we go into and say, blessed are the peacemakers and we, we go into that really deep and, and you can do that and that's fine. But what I want you to see this morning is Jesus is doing something as a whole. He's, he's building a forest. He's not just planting a tree here and a random tree there. He's showing us what the forest looks like and this is so what I want you to know about the Sermon on the Mount and specifically on the Beatitudes is that it's very cohesive. It all goes together. One flows into the other. Number two, second thing I want you to know is <clears throat> contradiction. That what Jesus is doing here, like I said, is he's turning things upside down. He's creating a new reality here. He's creating a new world for us to live in. He's showing us that there's something different here. And, and also that None of these things that we're going to talk about in the Sermon on the Mount are natural for us. None of them are natural. We, we actually go against, when he says love your enemies, that's not a natural thing for us to do. The natural thing for us to do is to punch our enemy in the face. It's not for us to love our enemies. And when he says be peacemakers or be merciful, those things aren't normally natural for us. Now you might say, well, some people are, are naturally more meek. Some people are naturally uh, less prideful. Some people are naturally better at, at peacemaking. But here's the thing, we're not talking about natural characteristics here. We're not talking about um, uh, natural personality traits. That's, what I, that's, that's more accurate there. That, yeah, some people, personality-wise, they're gonna appear less prideful. Some people are gonna appear more meek. Some people are gonna appear to be uh, more pure in heart. But Jesus is showing us here that we all have the same condition. And that condition is sin. Now we're all sinful, that we're all corrupted, that all our hearts are in the same place, that although some may appear more this and less this, we're all in the same boat in terms of sin. And then number three, so cohesion, contradiction, then number three, character. Jesus is showing us that we have a new identity. That you can have a new identity. That your identity doesn't have to be in your sin. That your identity doesn't have to be in your failures. That your identity doesn't have to be rooted in whether you're successful or not. It doesn't have to be rooted in your school degree. It doesn't have to be rooted in your job. It's rooted in Jesus Christ alone. And that's why this entire series we're going to build character. In the Beatitudes, Jesus is building character in us. And he's telling us this is who we are. This is who we were meant to be. This is is what we are. So when he says this, I see him saying it like this. He's, He's teaching this, right? And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And maybe he pauses and he waits and he lets you think. Because when you hear that, blessed are the poor in spirit, you're probably thinking, okay, I don't know what he's gonna say, but you're probably not thinking he's gonna say, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, because that's what he ends up saying. You're just waiting for him to see what he's gonna say. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why, because you're gonna give us money? Because you're gonna, like, what are you gonna do for us, Jesus? And then he goes and he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And you're like, that isn't what I was expecting. I didn't expect him to say, if we're humble and poor in spirit, that the kingdom of heaven could be ours. Remember, he just preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How do we repent if we don't recognize that uh, uh, we are sinners and that we need to humble ourselves and that we need to be poor in spirit, right? So he says, if you can do that, guess what? The kingdom of heaven is yours. And then he says something like, blessed are the meek. And you can picture him waiting. And what I think of is, for they will be trampled upon. <laughs> that's what, that's how I would finish this. But no, he says, no, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The earth is theirs. And, and we often associate meek with weak and meekness with weakness, because it just rhymes. But they don't even, they're not even close to the same thing. Meekness is, is, um, is controlling power. That, like Jesus, the king of the universe, is, is talked about as, as being meek in the scriptures. And he has all the power in the world, and he can keep it under control. That's, that's meek. So he says, you are in me, you are in Christ, and you are, if you are meek, you shall inherit the earth. And then he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And I'm like, for what, Jesus? Like, for, for what? What are you going to say next? Like, hunger and thirst for for food, for wealth, for success, for relationship. No, he says, for righteousness, for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Not for they shall be left wanting, for they shall be left empty. He says, they'll be satisfied, they'll be full. And here we are, sin, and we're so satisfied in sin, And he says, be satisfied in righteousness. This is your blessing. I'm giving this to you. And, we're, and sin does a great job at dangling happiness before us, right? When you think about sin and our desires and what we're enticed towards, you, you think about uh, idols of success and sex and relationship and um, money and uh, things that cause us to sin, um, greed and... Um, I don't know. I'm talking bad about people, being overcritical. I, we can put so much, so much in that. Put whatever. Identify your couple sins that are that always plague you. Put them in that blank, and it does a great job of dangling happiness before us because, because we, in sin, we are we assert ourselves in in the power. We we fulfill ourselves for for a moment. We um, uh, we find satisfaction in this for a brief moment, and then it's gone. Sin does a great job of dangling that in front of us, consuming us, enticing us, and then leaving us with the wreckage. And we're left like Golden Corral. We're left like, why did I do that? Why did I eat that? Why did I put that in me? Why did I do so much of that? Why am I at the spot again? I know I shouldn't go to Golden Corral or the Mandarin. I should've just driven by it. But like something enticed me into it. I smelt it and it smelled good. And the fragrance, the fragrance was appealing to you. And it drew you in and sin tricks us like that. And it draws us in and Jesus says, don't hunger and thirst for that anymore. You weren't made for that. You are actually blessed. That is your reality. You don't need sin. You don't need what it has to offer you. It's fleeting and it will never, ever satisfy you. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then he goes through, through this entire list and does that. And, and in the Sermon on the Mount here, here's, here's the key for the Beatitudes. Here's the key for these things. Because we can look at these things. All of you guys can look at these and say, oh, well, I'm, I'm better at some of these than others. No. Every follower of Jesus, if you've decided to follow Jesus, all followers of Jesus look like all of these beatitudes. You can't pick and choose. You can't accept some and reject the other ones. It's like the fruit of the spirit. Think about the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Fruit, first of all, is singular. It's not the fruits of the spirit. It's one. When the spirit works in your life, this is what he produces. He produces love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and self-control. And sometimes we say, well, I'm great at um, love and joy. I'm just not a very kind person. Or I'm I'm great at faithfulness. I just lack self-control. No. If the Spirit is working in your life, He's producing that And when I say that, it's love all the way to self-control. It's all of those things. You can't pick and choose. Either he's working in your life or he isn't. And either you look like that or you don't. Same thing with the Beatitudes. You you can't say, oh, well, I'm I'm great at being meek, but I'm not a peacemaker. Or I'm I'm great at uh, being poor in spirit, but there's no way I want to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. No, if you are... And here, oh, here's the thing. How can you be merciful, like he says, and not also be pure in heart? How can you be a peacemaker if you're not meek? All of these flow into one another. One necessarily demands the other. And so if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, and I'm saying you are blessed, I'm saying all these things about you. And, and here's the reality though, in your walk with Jesus right now, you may say, yeah, well there's just some things that I'm not as, as keen on or uh, that aren't as developed in my life right now. That's fine, there's grace there. But all of these things are for all of us. All of these things are there for all of us and Jesus is doing all of these things in us. And you are now, this is a picture of the kingdom citizen. And you are now in a new world. You are now in a new kingdom. And, and Jesus says, this is what the kingdom citizen looks like. They're poor in spirit. They mourn. They're meek. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're merciful. They're pure in heart. You're a peacemaker. You're persecuted for righteousness' sake. And because of those things, the kingdom of heaven is yours. You will be comforted you shall inherit the earth. You shall be satisfied. You shall receive mercy. You shall see God, and you shall be called sons of God. That's who we are this morning in Christ Jesus. So how do we live in the reality of blessing? What What does that look like? Four things I want to give you guys in regard to this. One is you identify with God's actions. This is This is coming off of the genealogy, Matthew chapter one. This is God's providence in your life. This is God's plan. This is, this is you recognizing that you're a part of something greater, greater than your individual passions, greater than your individual desires, greater than your job, greater than, than who you are in your personality. God wants to use all of those things. To and direct them for his plan, for his purposes, for his providence. And remember, Christ is identifying, or Jesus is establishing your identity in him as a follower of Jesus. And he's trying to say, you don't need those things to, to root your identity in anymore. So one is identifying with God's actions. Two, I identif- you identify with God's approval. This is Jesus in the baptism, he is approved before he does anything. And the Beatitudes are all about who you are, not what you do. I see, I saw two movies recently that said you are defined by what you do. That's our culture. Our culture says that you're defined by what you do. The scriptures say you're defined by whose you are. You are in Christ. You're a new creation. Now, here's the thing. If that's the case, you do certain things, right? And then what, how you live, what, what Jamal said in that video, how we live flows out of who we are, not the other way around. And our culture is saying, oh, do this. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're doing this, that's, that's, that's what we wanna look at. No, like we want to start with who we are, identity in Christ, in God's approval and saying, God doesn't need you to do anything for him. So stop trying to, to earn God's favor. You can't earn God's favor any more than just being in Christ Jesus and hearing God's voice, trusting it and obeying it in Christ. And so just start with that. Just, just do that. God approves Jesus when we're in Jesus he he approves us and then let your life flow out of that and live in the reality of blessing. So number three you identify with God's authority. You see Jesus in the temptation he fully identified with God's authority. He had sin on his doorstep and instead of choosing sin he chooses scripture and he he chooses God's authority rather than his own authority. And he, and he relies on, on um, the power of the spirit and the word to direct him in life. For most of us, and here's the thing, I know what you're saying. You're, you're probably thinking, well, that's Jesus. Of course he's going to not choose sin. Of course he's going to rely on God's authority. He is God. Well, here's the thing. For most of us, we think, well, we can't do that. We can't be like Jesus in that. Like, I fall to sin every day. I can't, I can't, I can't fight this anymore. And, and what Jesus is showing us, though, is that we have the power to do that. Now, he has overcome, and he's given us the life that we were meant to live, this, this blessed reality that we were meant to live in. And so, actually, you can overcome sin because he has overcome it. You can live in that reality because you can say no to sin. You can stop choosing death because he did it for us. And you can choose life. And Jesus is calling you out of darkness into light this morning. He's calling you out of the wreckage of sin into the reality of blessing. He's calling you into a new reality this morning. And he's saying it starts with these things, by recognizing God's authority. And here's here's the reality for you. Hebrews 12.4 says this. You have not yet resisted temptation to the point of shedding your blood. Most of us give in way too easy, easily to sin. We don't even know what it's like to fight temptation because it's at our door and we let it in. And Hebrews says, "You haven't even resisted temptation yet. Are you bleeding? I don't see you bleeding there." And here you're like, "Oh, sin has his power over me." And the writer of Hebrews says, "No, you're pathetic." Like, look at all the saints that have come before you. Look at, look at Jesus who's come before you, who have, who's taken up uh, this, uh, who's lived this life of faith and shown us how to battle sin. And they're cheering you on right now, and you don't have to choose sin anymore. But we have to choose God's authority over our own authority. Number four, you identify with God's account. And this is Jesus saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here's the reality of blessedness for us. Jesus gives us his righteousness. Jesus gives us his justification. Jesus is saying, My holiness is your holiness. My blank slate, my clean slate, is your clean slate. Jesus is saying, My account that has no record of wrong in it, it can be your account. It is your account in me. And when the Father sees you, despite our failures, despite our sin, despite um, our, our carnal desires or whatever it is, he sees Jesus if we're in Jesus. And he sees a clean slate, he sees holiness, he sees his son, he sees, he sees faithfulness, he sees these things in us because we are in Christ. And that's the reality of blessing. God's action, God's approval, God's authority, God's account, that's our identity in Christ. Jesus begins the Beatitudes with saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he ends it with the kingdom of heaven. And we have kingdom of heaven at the beginning and, and the kingdom of heaven at the end. And Jesus is saying, You don't belong in this world. You were created for something more amazing than you could ever imagine. You were created for something different. He says, You're supposed to be in this world, but not of it. Your citizenship, Paul says, is somewhere else. It's in the heavens. Your identity is in Christ. It's not in in your failures. And he's calling us into the kingdom of heaven, and he's saying, this can be yours. You can actually live in the reality of blessing this morning and leave behind the wreckage of sin. So... If you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, that's, that can be yours. The reality of blessing can be yours. And you can leave behind that wreckage of sin. But if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, I want you to know that all of those blessings, they're for all of us should look like that. All of us should be, should be moving towards that. It's for all of us as followers of Jesus. And if we're to be a witness to our city, we have to look like that we have to and we have we're in this new kingdom we're in the kingdom of God and we have the kingdom of the world and our world says our world sees that and and they say oh I don't want that they may hate it they may they may despise it and we're busy trying to look like the world and Jesus says no I'm flipping this on its head, look like the meek, look like the poor in spirit, look like those who mourn, look like those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, look like those who hunger for righteousness and thirst for righteousness, look like the pure in heart, be those things, and the world will take notice. And so for us, as we go into our city, for us as followers of Jesus, we want to be those things for our world. Because how can we be salt and light, which is the next passage, if we're not living in the reality of blessing let's pray jesus thank you thank you that you've made it possible thank you that we don't have to do this ourselves thank you that that you were willing and you're obedient and because of that we can live in this reality of blessing and we can leave behind the wreckage of sin there's no more no longer has a hold on us we're free in you lord jesus thank you. We love you, Jesus. Continue to build this kingdom character in us as we study your word, as we go through this series, so that we can look more like you. And so, Jesus, this morning, just make us, make us more like you as we live and walk in this reality of blessedness. We ask in your name. Amen.